0: Welcome back to part two of the Taylor Swift Crash Course. This week in the Taylor Swift Crash Course part two, we are discussing the re-recordings. What's going on after Reputation? Um, What happened to her relationship with Joe Alwyn? And kind of how people are perceiving her now and kind of just a little recap of everything that I talked about in last week's episode so where I left off was the Reputation album and having and that being her last album with Big Machine Records so as I mentioned in last week's episode whenever she first signed with Big Machine Records she didn't own her music the record label Scott Bruchetta the the founder of that record label owned her music she still got the um revenue from it but she couldn't decide where like what who does what with that music so she knew all along that after her time was done at big machine records that scott Bruchetta was going to sell her music obviously But here's the thing. She didn't know who he was going to sell it to. And she later talked about this, but she said that him and her have had many conversations in the past about Scooter Braun, who manages Justin Bieber, and um, how he treats his clients and how he kind of participated in that bullying behavior whenever the whole incident happened whenever um, she was quote unquote canceled, which I talked about last week. So whenever Scott Braschetta sold all of Taylor's masters to Scooter Braun for $300 million, she found out when everyone else found out and she was ready to pay whatever, however much money for her music she the the issue is is who he sold it to was the shocker he could have sold it to anyone but he chose to sell it to someone who has publicly bullied taylor and he knew this but he still like he knew that this was going to upset taylor and he still did it scooter is besties with the kardashians and the jenners and like i said justin bieber um who selena Gomez dated and he cheated on Selena many times and their relationship was just not healthy. And so obviously Taylor's going to be pissed because now Justin Bieber's bestie owns all of her masters and is now making money off of that and can do whatever he wants with that music. Um, She, like I said, was prepared to pay whatever amount to buy her masters, but Scott went behind her back and sold it to the devil himself. So at this point, Taylor isn't getting any money from the streams. Um, the songs are getting or on the radios or the royalties or whatever but that's not the point the point was she wanted to own her masters because she wrote those songs she produced those songs she wrote those songs about her life um she wrote them and now she's not she she has no control over them and she's not like you know getting that reward for writing about her life since she was 15 and so um this is where the origins of the re-recordings begin um so basically she had this one interview i don't remember who it was with but she interviewed and um after all of this came out it was during her lover era when she released um her album lover which was with her first album with her new record label universal music group umg she said in this interview, the interviewer asked her if she was going to, you know, re record these albums. Because I don't know if she got the idea from Kelly Clarkson, but Kelly Clarkson, after everything came out, was like, you should re record all your old albums to be the same, but also add in like new songs in there that we haven't heard before as an incentive for the fans to listen to the new versions rather than the stolen versions. And so, Taylor Swift did just that. So, during this time, Taylor couldn't perform any of her, like, original songs. So, during this lover era, she, um, for legal purposes, and also Scooter just said she wasn't allowed to perform her old songs that he now owns she was being nominated as artist of the decade by billboard music awards and she wanted to do a very special performance going through her you know all her previous songs that are like the biggest ones um to just kind of highlight her career and he said she wasn't allowed to do that but she basically said fuck you and sang them anyways which is awesome and she kind of made a little statement about how she no longer owns these songs she wore like a oversized white button down with all of her old albums titles printed on um the shirt she said on many she has said on many occasions that her re-recordings are more of a passion project and she doesn't expect fans to choose to listen to these versions um but it's more so just so she knows that she owns those songs again and but obviously all of her fans were like obviously we're going to listen to these to support you um and so that we did so now several years later she's able to re-release all of her versions whenever she wants but before she had to wait a certain amount of time in terms of like the legality of it in the the contracts of it to um to be approved for like trademarks and stuff so she could actually record it like whenever all of this went down i think she was able to like release all of them but she was still waiting to be able to start re-recording for reputation because she had just released that album like not that long ago so in terms of her contract she wasn't able to re-record them and sell them and sell like her versions of anything um until i think maybe like 2021 or something or 20 I don't know what year it was but it was a couple years later after all of this happened like I mentioned a couple of times this is kind of during her lover era this is post um, reputation it's a complete 360 of what reputation was about it these dark colors it's this time where um, she was in hiding but now lover kind of talks about her relationship with joe alwyn that she has been in a relationship with at that time for several years it was arguably one of her longest known relationships so this is her first album where she owns the music it's not she's like signed with universal music group but she owns those songs like no one can take them away from her um, so here we have lover folklore and evermore um, before she released any re-recording she released those however the pandemic shortly or hit shortly after lover was released and we never got lover fest which is just highly unfortunate because it was going to be a series of like long kind of festival-esque concerts for the lover album um so like i said taylor and joe are still dating at this point um he even helped co-write some of the songs on folklore and evermore which she released during the pandemic Um, Betty Evermore, Coney Island, and some of August's production. So, Joe is very much involved in her career and her life. And I mean, the songs we were getting on Lover, I was just like, this has to be her soulmate. I mean, in the song Paper Rings, she says, I like shiny things, but I would marry you with paper rings? Are you kidding me? And then just the title track, Lover. I mean, it it's just this gorgeous, lyrical ballad about her lover. And everyone was just like, God, she's in such a good place right now. Spoiler alert, they broke up. <laughs> so before she started touring again, she did Long Pond Studio Sessions, which she only did for Folklore but not evermore and she says they're kind of like sister albums but there's just like this running joke that like she doesn't actually love evermore because she doesn't give it nearly as much attention as folklore but she has said like on her tour now like i don't know why you guys say that because i love it so much but so if you know you ever hear anyone make the joke about how she doesn't like evermore that's kind of the origin stories of that um this was also the first time during those studio sessions that we saw her perform live for the first time in years because of the pandemic so that was awesome that we got that i still wish we would have gotten evermore long pond studio sessions i mean god her singing evermore on the Ares tour really just solidified my knowledge that the evermore long pond studio sessions would have just been she probably didn't do it because it would have just broken records. It would have been it would have been too good. I think that's kind of like why that happened. Or at least that's what helps me sleep at night. As I mentioned, the re-recordings. Um, this is where the Taylor's version comes into play. Because if if something has um Taylor's version in parentheses, that means that she owns that song. Like that's her re-recorded version. The significance of the albums, um, or like the, the incentive, she did kind of what Kelly Clarkson had tweeted about. And what she does is she re records all the songs to be the, like, sound exactly the same um, as the original versions. But what she does is she puts these songs on these, like, bonus tracks on the albums, her version of the albums called From the Vault. So these are songs that she wrote back in the original time she wrote the original albums um, that didn't make it onto the original or er, like track list so for example um, the first album she re-released was Fearless and one of the songs is called Mr. Per- Mr. Perfectly Fine and that was a song she wrote you know back in I don't know 2008 or something like that or 2009 and um, but just didn't make the cut and so she's done that with all of her re recordings so far. Because then next we have Red, Taylor's version. She's not doing it in order. I don't know why. I know for Reputation she couldn't for a little bit. But I think it's has something to do with probably wanting to... I don't know. I honestly really don't. There's so many theories about it. I, I really don't know. My theory is that she released Love Story because she had so many big songs on it. And she wanted to make sure she could own the royalties to it because people you know you see movies and tv shows that use love story or you belong with me or shake it off like in the background or whatever um and I think maybe she wanted to kind of get those out of the way but then again it's like if that were the case then she would have probably released 1989 right afterwards because that has so many songs that people like play on the radio I don't really know but I don't think we'll ever probably know her rationale for a lot of things that she does. And then on the Red Taylor's version, this is where we got the 10-minute version of All Too Well. She finally gave it to us. And it was even more gut-wrenching than the original version, which I did not know was possible. Um, And she also made like a little short film for it, which was kind of like her first time directing some form of short film. And there's been rumors that she's um, in the works of making a movie, but I don't she just there's just no way she's a real human being. Like how does she have time to sleep and eat and breathe? I really don't know. Um during the time of Speak Now and Red Taylor's versions releases, she released Midnights. So this is kind of the sleepless nights prompt that she used for these songs, kind of her her thing that she said is it's 13 sleepless nights. Um, things that you kind of stay awake and think about. So for example, one of them might be um, your insecurities and you lie awake at night thinking about, you know, how you can be better. And another one might be the trauma that you experienced from a relationship that happened a decade ago. Thus, would have, could have, should have was born. Like I mentioned in last week's episode, there's a couple theories about midnights. Um, One of it, being that it was supposed to come out right after the Lover album um but then COVID hit and she kind of she couldn't do what she wanted to do with it which kind of makes sense um but I'm not mad about it because we got Folklore Nevermore so like it's kind of a win-win situation some people also say it's a breakup album which I don't really think I can agree with but again to each their own I don't it that's i don't really think that that's the case but whatever um but going back to the taylor's version uh songs they are meant to pretty much be a like exact replication of the original versions except like i mentioned earlier um better than revenge she changed that lyric and then also girl at home was changed to sound like completely different and I hate the Taylor's version. I'm just going to say it. Uh, I like the original version better but pretty much like 99% of all the songs sound exactly the same. So that's pretty much re-recordings. She recently announced that 1989 Taylor's version was coming out in October and she just literally what was that like not even a month ago maybe or something like that she released speak now taylor's version so she's just pumping these out like it's her job which i mean it is but once again it's just a passion project and she just wants to be able to put these out and say that she owns them which fair enough so i've mentioned this a couple of times already um her and joe alwyn now like i've said before And I will say it till the day I die. I don't really love to talk about her personal relationships because I feel like that's not my knowledge to know. But I feel like her relationship with Joe Alwyn was so significant because not only was it her longest one that we know of, we also got a lot of music about him because it was so long. But unfortunately, they did break up and we all kind of found out about it. Um, earlier this year, a few months ago, it was the worst day of my life. Uh, It made me not want to believe in love anymore. But we also don't know for sure if they aren't together anymore. This could just be all a ploy and a distraction to like make everyone stop talking about them. We don't know. We actually don't know anything. I like to think that they might still be together and that's just them, you know, really solidifying their privacy and telling people to like just stop getting into our relationship. But I also think that they actually are probably broken up, but I don't know. He wrote songs for her, he was her safe space. Um and it was comfortable and we could all see that through her music and the way she performed the songs that were about him. And it's sad that they're they're broken up, but also like I don't know. I think from an outside point of view who doesn't really know anything about their relationship and just solely knows their details from the music she puts out um and obviously the parasocial relationship I have with her that they might be soulmates and get back together eventually but for now um who knows I just think that she needs to like hook up with a football player or like some beefy guy and just have fun instead of like hanging out and dating these like man children musicians but everyone has a type I guess Um, and then there was like a second, like, it was kind of more solidified when we saw her and Maddie Healy, like, hanging out and holding hands, and we were all like, what's going on? What's going on? He's also, like, has said a lot of really bad things, and like, I just don't really understand his vibe. Like, he's, you know, like most typically men in the industry just say terrible things so then they like I don't think they were ever in dating but they just like stopped hanging out so where she is now she is I think in her single girl era she's widely liked now a lot of it's like it's not cool to not like Taylor Swift anymore like it's unlike 2016 2015 probably even before that like It was cool to not like her. And now it's just like you don't like Taylor Swift. That's weird. Like everyone's starting to see how good of a person she is. And like everyone's either you're indifferent to her or like, yeah, I like Taylor Swift. Like it's not it's not there's like there's not this shame to say it anymore for some people. Not for me. And that really just shows how karma is her bestie. Just had a little lunch break, but I'm back. Um, where we left off, what she's doing now and how her success is currently just at a point where we've never seen it before. I think that she's definitely more well-liked than she was compared to like 2016. However, that comes with its pros and cons. Um pro it's good for her bank account, but also all of these really new fans who are in that like really crazy hype phase right now of Taylor, they they don't know her history with this invasion of privacy and this amount of fame. Um, in like 2020, I think it was maybe 2019, she released a documentary called Miss Americana and it took her behind the scenes of kind of recording, um, Lover. And it also talked about that behind the scenes of like, just after she released Lover as well. And kind of the political things that were happening and all of that we kind of really got an inside look of her reflection on like herself and the hate and this was kind of the first time maybe she talked about certain things um that had happened during her disappearance so um and and one part of it was her walking out of her apartment and there was just like a crowd of people like a crowd of fans just like with their phones out waiting for her to walk out of her door which is really weird um it's very weird and recently she was going to a friend's wedding and people found out where it was and like hundreds of people were lining the streets um waiting for her to come out as if she was going to be like Hey, guys, thank you so much for ruining my friend's wedding. Um, Let me perform a little song for you guys. Like, what do these people expect Who just, like, wait for her outside of her apartment and places and restaurants that she's at? Like, she's just gonna... She's just walking to her car and, like, leaving. Like, you're not... Is it just because you want to see her that up close? Like, she's not an animal. I don't know. It's so weird to me. But... there's a couple other things that I didn't really touch on in terms of like her lore that I feel like people might be like, well, you didn't talk about this. And that would be her infamous relationship with Carly Gloss. Now, like I said, I don't love to comment on her personal relationships, especially ones that haven't really been confirmed. Like we know for a fact Taylor and Joe were dating. But there's a lot of people that think her and former Victoria's Secret supermodel Carly Kloss dated. Now, I really I can see it, but some people are really weird about it. Like they think they like they believe it so much that they won't even ever even admit that Taylor wrote one song about Joe. And it's a little weird, but they are no longer friends, and I'll tell you why. So post-1989 era into the whole Kimye debacle, um, like I was talking about earlier, I think it was in last week's episode, we saw some celebrities kind of take sides via Twitter, social media. And Carly didn't really necessarily take Taylor's side. And Carly actually ended up marrying a man who I believe is related to Donald Trump. And Taylor has come out a couple of times about like politics and because she has so much influence and just kind of, you know, advocating for people to sign up to vote and to, you know, vote in the primaries and everything like that. So... Yeah, I think that might have put a little bit of a damper in their friendship, and um, and so what if she and Carly Claus dated? Like, I don't know, I don't understand like what the obsession is, but people are just weird about it. There's just like uh, there are some pictures on the internet that Taylor has posted previous to Reputation that I could probably psychoanalyze for hours because there's so much lore. <laughs> like, she's been around for so long that it's just like... It's like when someone tries to explain the, the love triangle that was in Fleetwood Mac. It's just borderline impossible. There's so... There's so many details that we know, but also a thousand more that we don't know. And we never will, unless she releases some kind of, like, memoir, which would be highly ideal. But I also could definitely see her just being like, this is my legacy, and you're never ever going to know all of the details. And that's it. Which, honestly, (laughs) I'd be happy either way. I just know the day she dies is going to be the day that I also die yeah Mm-hmm. so i'm trying to think if there's anything else that i'm missing no i mean it's just your typical like other artists looking at her success and like making sly comments like she i don't really believe taylor swift makes enemies i feel like people make taylor swift their enemy for example like not that long ago lizzo was live streaming I think on TikTok and like kind of made shade towards Taylor um and like her success kind of so it's just like constant like people are always trying to pull her down when she's only ever been supportive of every artist until they do said bullying Mm -hmm. that's all I really have for the crash course um there's obviously a lot more but that's as much as I'm willing to give um because some other things just I don't really feel like I should touch on and also I don't have the time to do so so yeah I hope you um have a very strong grip on Taylor Swift's lore her career Maybe why some Swifties are insane and hate certain people for no good reason, but just because they have a parasocial relationship with Taylor Swift. I don't, I don't know. But I hope this gave you some clarity. And hopefully you can, if you're a boy listening, trying to get a girlfriend, which you can listen to that episode from two weeks ago, how to get a girlfriend, you can impress her with her your Taylor Swift knowledge if she's a Taylor Swift fan. Or she might think that you're also insane, which that's fine. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. Thank you so much for listening. Um, If you want, you can follow the pod on Instagram. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, You can follow the pod on Spotify. I post the videos on Spotify as well. Not Apple Music because they don't do that because they suck. (laughs) But yeah, I'll talk to you guys next week and stream Taylor's version of everything. Bye.